0: Good morning, everyone. It is Monday, September 10th, and it is a little after 8 in the morning. (laughs) And there goes Jackson, trying to take off. Hey, cut it out. (laughs) His morning jaunt just walk out on the patio and he's already wanting to take off. Come on back. Hopefully you guys don't get tired of hearing this cat wrangling. It's mostly that it's autumn and he's just so fired up. A lot of animals have those instincts, you know, to get, go Find a new territory, find a new place, find a new den for the winter and the autumn. They really get restless moving around. So, yeah, it's funny that it's Monday. I'm going to pause for just a moment here. There, I thought I'd save you all the timer as it was going off for the tea being done steeping. So, anyway, I... um worked all day on friday i think i didn't podcast friday because i was revising on orchid throne and feeling pretty head down on it and then saturday i had the meeting with Lyra, land of enchantment romance authors and that takes all day Dorinda spent the night saturday night so we had a night or friday night i mean so we had a nice time chatting etc and then we drove down to Albuquerque and we did Lyra. I gave a presentation on sexual tension. And then yesterday, Sunday, I worked again. I did my um, Word Horse blog post. Word Horse, it's not Word Horse anymore. We changed it because all the firewalls walls were eliminating it for the word whore, uh, which is apparently. I don't know, maybe it's too much connected with internet porn. Uh, we'd taken it, you know, from the quote, that writing is like prostitution. But certain kinds of irony don't really fly well on the internet, especially when you're dealing with people's firewalls. So actually it was the SFF7 as our new name. New, it's been a couple of years now. And that's what we changed it to. Mm. My first sip was a little hot there. Oh, it was good though. And, of course, today we're out front since Jackson is being rambly. Make sure that he's still in his spot. Yep. All right, so it was funny... Because I'm just so off schedule now. Um, I used to keep kind of a a more or less regular work week. But uh, that's a good stretch. With Worldcon and then going for my birthday, which was like a Sunday to Tuesday thing. And then trying to get this... Trying to get Arrows of the Heart finished, and then this revision of Orchid Throne done. <clears throat> I'm sort of working on funny days. So I worked all day yesterday. So today does not feel like Monday. I, I Actually, I couldn't say what day it feels like. It feels like something else altogether. It might feel like a Tuesday. Yeah, I don't even know. I'm hoping to get this revision done in the next couple of days, and then I will take a day or so off. I'm waiting for my editor Peter to get my uh, um, edits on Arrows of the Heart back, so I can revise that and get that back to my get that to my line editor, so we can get that out for you all. I think that. Um, I don't think that's going to take much revision. Corrine already read it, and she loved it. She always loves everything, though. She's nice. <laughs> no, that's not true. She, she really did love this hero, so that's great. Zira ended up being a really fun hero to write. So I got a question to through to the emails, as some would say. Um, Kelly Capsule and Kelly, I'm sorry if I am not pronouncing your name correctly. It uh, would be ironic because Kelly wrote to me and asked if I would talk about how to pronounce Ivariel, um, who is the heroine in Exile of the Seas. Uh, averial is the name that Jenna takes uh, to disguise her identity once she has escaped. And if you haven't read Prisoner of the Crown I, sorry if that's a spoiler but I would also think that you would know that any book I write about someone being a prisoner would involve them eventually escaping <laughs> um, so yeah she takes the name Averil, and I guess I say it well you can hear me saying it um, yeah with just a little, you don't even pronounce the I all that much what she did was she took the name of the ship that she escapes on, which is the Valeria. And she scrambles the letters. It makes it into a new name. So in some ways we've all... and we, I made up the name Valeria, interestingly enough, or I don't know if you'll find it interesting, but was my grandmother's name. Um, she didn't like it being... Valeria, and she changed it to Valerie, um, but then went by her other name, Marie. So <laughs> I think it, she ended up uh, using... All the women in my family seem to use multiple names. That's probably why I have multiple names in my stories. But anyway, I always thought Valeria was a beautiful name. And if I'd had a daughter, I was going to name her Valeria. Valeria. I didn't end up having... Actually, I thought I would have twin daughters, and I was going to name them Valeria and Veronica. But since I didn't have any babies of my own body that I got to name, I have to name all my characters instead. That was, by the way, a choice. I never tried to have a baby. I was, kept waking, thinking one day I would wake up and have the incredible urge to have a baby, and that never happened, and I had... Two stepchildren who I helped raise, and that seemed to uh, that was plenty for me. And now I have grandchildren, and I never had to have a, never had to be pregnant. So I figure it was a total win all around. So, yeah, she says it. I mean, I think that it's probably Ivarial, but when people say it in conversation like I do, it's a varial. You know, you just don't quite string out that whole I. I uh, I'm trying to think of other examples. You know, when you, when you really emphasize that long I, it's, it sort of creates a disruption in the cadence of speech, and people don't really do it um, in conversation. You know, like people might say, um, you know, I am going to the island but when they talk about it, they're like, yeah, we're taking out for the islands. You know, and they sort of slurred a little bit. So Averio. It's not a name that really adapts itself to nicknames. But it's an interesting question. I'm glad you wrote in, Kelly. Um, Kelly said she liked both Prisoner and Exile. So that's great to hear. And I do hope that you like Warrior, which will be out in January. And and all the others. Sounds like you're, you've read all the books, Kelly, so that's great. I appreciate that. So, today we are digging back into this revision of Orchid Throne. I have about a little over 200 pages to go, like 212 pages to go. Um, I've added about 4,000 words so far. Um, if you're cringing, saying, how can I possibly revise 200 pages in two days? Um, we'll see if I can. But really, the worst part of the revision is over. Um, most of the revising had to happen in the early part of the book. So at this point now, I'm just reading and reading for continuity and for tweaks and for my editor's inline comments. So... It's um, it's not too bad. We'll see. We'll see how fast I've. I've been sort of tracking. You know, like I talked a little bit before about how I'm trying to get better about tracking what I do and knowing that's always useful for me to know how long it takes me to do stuff, and my number of pages. I've been trying to come up with my number of pages revised per day, and. Right now, the average is standing at, like, 41 pages per day. But it's not a very good average. Some of you who are better at math and statistics might be able to come up with a better metric for me because it's really a moving average. And I don't know if that's even a real term. My my grad school statistics are way stale. But it's um, because, you know, like, the first day was, like, 6 pages, and the next day was 20 pages, and... So then, yesterday, I think I got through something like sixty pages. You know, so it's I'm accelerating as I go, and part of that's because first it takes me a little while to work my head back into it, um, and then second, it's because most of the revising is at the beginning. Uh, that's something that is always true for me, um, and part of that is the is being a pantser, because I figure out stuff as I go along but I think that's true I hear even my friends who are really ardent pre-plotters say that too and it's just because you know if you start a book at the beginning you know except for the people who like write out of order and I think they're just monsters (laughs) but you know if you start at the beginning you just aren't into the book yet you don't know what you're doing yet and you have to find your way um and by the time you get by the time you're done writing the book, you know so much more about it and the characters than you did to begin with that it's in some ways almost a different story, and so you have to go back to the beginning and smooth that out and Dorinda and I were talking about this um because I was, of course, self-obsessing and talking about my orchid throne revision, and she was being a good friend and listening uh, but she said that uh, finding the right place to start is still a challenge for her. And she's starting on a new book, a new three-book deal with St. Martin's, which you guys are going to just love. She said, well, we talked about it, didn't we? If If you've been listening to the podcast all along, you will have heard she and I talking about it in uh, Denver at RWA. But the one that they took was the one that she pitched as Uh, Fargo meets the Gilmore Girls and so it's going to be a three book series and it's going to be just great it's going to be awesome and but we were talking about someone else we know who received a critique paid for a critique from professional authors and this person has been published before and was very upset that part of the critique said that the story started in the wrong place and suggested a different place for the story to start. <clears throat> and <laughs> I guess this author was really upset about that critique, and the person who talked about it, who you know related the news that this person was upset, said that, um, she said, and this is a published author who received this critique, as if it were somehow an invalid critique. You know, and I understand being upset about receiving a critique on your book, on your story, because even though when we send in our books to our editors or to our critique partners and we say, I want feedback on this, what we're really saying is, I want you to tell me that this is fantastic and you love it. And we never get that. <laughs> you just almost never get that. Um, even if you get the, I think this is fantastic and I love it, then you get the, but if you wanted to fix something, you could, or I wasn't quite clear on, or et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> Sorry, I'm a little froggy this morning. I don't know why. It's because I'm so verklempt about the beginnings. So, anyway, Dorinda and I were just talking about that. You know, kind of astonished at the idea that somehow someone who had had a book published before would be, no, would automatically pick the best place to start a story. Because for both of us, it's still one of the hardest things to figure out. In fact, I'm frequently convinced a lot of my books start in the wrong place, but I can't find a better one. You know, and very often, if somebody will say to me, I think you should start the book here, I will be like, oh, thank you, Jesus, because actually Jesus has never given me information. But it would be nice, you know, Jesus' book critiques. Although, well, no, Jesus was pretty hardcore. You know, he'd be like, you need to shape this up. (laughs) Get these sellers out of the temple. Oh. Sorry, fatally distracted there by the image of of Jesus book critiques. <laughs> uh, that would be a good internet meme. All right. Anyway, um, if somebody tells me that I feel that they have an idea of where I should start a book, I am usually grateful because they can see what I cannot. Um, and but you know, of course, that's after I get over my sulking that I wasn't beautiful and perfect to begin with. But you know the thing is, is, is especially if you're a published author or a career author, um, one of the things that you fi- figure out is how not perfect you are, um, and how many ways there are to to do things wrong, and and the only way to fix that is, you know, to get the feedback, get the editorial, get the critique, and listen to it. Um, Yeah, I was interested to hear that Dorinda moves, you know, she says most of her books, she tries four or five different beginnings. Um, And I do it too. It's to the point when I start a new book, and I do write linear, um, I'll just, I just don't even worry about where I'm starting it because I just, I know that wherever I started is probably not what it's going to end up being. And so I will. Just start in and start writing because you have to write into it to get there and figure that out. So, yeah. Um, it's hard to know where to start a story because, in the author's mind, the story almost has no beginning or end. It sort of stretches out infinitely on all directions, especially if you know you have a strong character in, or maybe you know, like a dynasty or a political system. You, know, you can go so far back and so far forward um, that it's in some ways fluid, fluid and endless. So when you decide to start the story that you are telling, which is different than the overall story, you are taking a slice out of that whole continuum and you are picking a point. Um, and where that story starts, where you put that slice, changes with fashion, too. You know, it. a lot of people have a hard time. Now, I often recommend uh, Jacqueline Carey's Cushiel's Start, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and... People start reading it, and they'll message me, and they'll be like, jeffy, this book it's terrible you know and it uh, it starts out she had, her opening sentences are so obscure. she starts out with this thing that's like lest you think I was robbed from the cuckoo's nest or something like this <laughs> and you're it's it's confusing, you have absolutely no idea what she's talking about now I have to go inside and find this book and read you the self meaning line. And the beginning is dreadfully, dreadfully slow. And if I and when people say, I can't read this, it's so slow, I'll say skip to page I don't even know what it is offhand. It's like I'll I'll look it up for them. Yeah, I don't do I have a bookmark? I should. That like would be funny. Let's see. It's something I, I tell them something like page two hundred and fifty, swear to God. Um this is kind of fun though. Let's See, I'm going to read you this opening line. If you, I mean, if, I do recommend it. I do think it's a brilliant, wonderful book. Okay, here it is. Lest anyone should suppose that I am a cuckoo's child, got on the wrong side of the blanket by a lusty peasant stock and sold into indenture in a short fallen season, I may say that I am house-born and reared in the night court proper for all the good it did me yeah you know, I mean that is a hell of a sentence to start out with you know and I think that that whole cuckoo's child thing is an obscure enough reference that it's um <laughs> it's just confusing uh, but you know it's fantasy and she could get away with a lot but this was also published in 2001. And, you know, that was at the advent of the Internet. I mean, the Internet had been going through the 90s, but, you know, not everybody had a smartphone yet. And, I, you know, things were longer and slower. Um, and especially in fantasy, you could, like, go back to, I mean, she spends a lot of time on her childhood. A lot of time. I mean, I know I did this in Prisoner of of the Crown that I go back to her childhood and in some ways I might be influenced by this. Um, But, you know, it's like a couple pages. (laughs) And then we jump. Um, Let's see. I am looking for... it's, It's around page 250 that the story really kicks in. And I know that, well, I won't sit here and page through the book because now I'm starting to read it and I can't possibly afford to do that. But, yeah, it's around page 250. And I will tell people, just skip to there. And And these are people who are hardcore fantasy readers or fantasy romance readers, and they'll be aghast. They'll be like, I can't possibly skip 250 pages. <laughs> and I'll say, you know what? Maybe you'll want to go back and read them because there is interesting stuff in there. But if you're having trouble getting into the story, just skip to, uh, it's around page 250. There's a chapter break in there. And you will catch up on the story really fast. And the fact that you can catch up on the story really fast at that point is an indication that, yeah, I'm going to say it. You know, Jacqueline Carey could have started. I mean, certainly by today's standards, she started the story in the wrong place. Um, I don't know that you could get away with it today because, as evidenced by by these readers, who, once they do get into it, then they love it, um, but they don't have patience for that kind of beginning. Uh, Maybe some do. I'm sure, go ahead and comment if you'd be like, oh, you know, these people are worthless little lives if they can't be patient for those 250 pages. But, um, you know, really, today's readers expect to get into the crux of the conflict a lot faster. Um, And so it goes. And I've talked long enough. I'm going to go work on my revision. Lovely to share my first cup of London fog with you all today. And I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye.